As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Total Soccer Show and welcome back to the glorious return of the Champions League. Yes, it's back next week. The European Super League has so far failed to kill it for now. And we're getting into the round of 16 knockout phase in this episode. So who are the favourites? How much has the field changed since we last played this competition in those heady pre-World Cup days? And what should we be excited about? My name's Ryan Bailey. Joining me today, a man whose team plays on Thursday nights, but that's all right. Taylor Rockwell, hello. Hello. Yeah, we were talking about this in the weekend review. They play at least on two Thursday nights, but going up against a resurgent Barcelona team that are dominating La Liga and will be comfortable heading into that one. I'm not sure how many more Thursdays they'll be playing. Oh, that feels poised for an against the old United victory, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Uh, I would be fine with that. That would be lovely <laughs> for me. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. United can avoid getting into scrums and brawls and all that good stuff and just uh, play some good football. Excellent stuff. Well, uh, good that I've uh, led this Champions League episode by talking about a different competition with you, Taylor. So Got let's to. get. Got to. <laughs> we'll get slightly back on track with a man who's going to be spending Valentine's Day in the most romantic way possible, watching dual feeds of PSG versus Bayern and Spurs versus Milan. Graham Rudman, hello. Hello, I mean, PSG and is it Bayern Munich that they're playing in the, in the, in the round of 16? Yeah. They're pretty romantic teams, so probably more romantic than what I'd usually be doing on Valentine's Day night, which is just lying on the sofa yeah. and watching reruns of uh, Scottish Premiership games from the weekend. Graham, if you did organise some elaborate like dinner date for Valentine's Day, my assumption is that your wife would become suspicious, basically. Like, it wouldn't be received as like, oh, that's yeah, nice. What's wrong? Like, what have you done? <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. What is wrong? <laughs> Who is she? Like, anytime you walk into the room and I always think, like, that when when the main light is on in the middle of the room, you go, uh-oh, something's up. Like, th- that is, like, the equivalent of, of, of that. Hang on. Main light. Do you mean, like, watching TV with the main light on? Yeah, or just if, if people are in like the living room and the main light on, on the ceiling is, is on, someone's lost something or there's been an emergency or someone's hurt themselves or, yeah, you instantly know that pe- there's something wrong. Other- otherwise, you just have like lamps on and stuff. 
Wow. Ryan, I can see your face. I, I share your confusion. I share well, your confusion about I, this. Oh, please tell this. me you're not made lighters. No, like, no, 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 you're still not students. at all. I, I, I say this, Graham, because um, I saw on the internet recently, uh, we're not a political show, but I saw uh, worse the effect of uh, Brexit is for people who um, watch TV with the main light on. And I didn't quite understand it. And now I think I do. Exactly, exactly. So, main lights on in my house, someone has voted for Brexit and something is wrong. That is the, the warning sign right there. Oh dear. Oh dear, oh dear. Let's move away from this Who one. didn't have us talking about Europa League and Brexit inside the first three minutes of the Champions League show? So, I, I think we all saw that coming, right? It's Joe's not here. Concept. This is what happens when Joe's yeah. not here. <laughs> our constant, our steady presence is not here. We are off the rails already. Uh, before we get to the action, I just wanted to give a shout out to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Total Soccer Show. Over the weekend, a plethora of stadium tours appeared on our Patreon, Ibrox and the Stadio Olimpico. Um, fantastic stuff. Graham, your, your walking tours, uh, I tried to emulate your style, but I, I can't do it. You're, you're, you're the walking tour king. <laughs> the, the, the main question here is, did you steal one of those Vespas to get home? That's what I want to know. So a friend of mine who I went to the game with, um, he said, I'll, t- I'll take you back on my Vespa. And we went out to where the Vespas are parked. And as you'll see in the video, there is thousands and thousands of them and his was a domino effect had happened where maybe 20 had fallen on top of it so before we could leave we were pulling vespers off of vespers off of vespers are they and all the I same got... as well pretty much yeah i don't know how they all tell them apart um but i got to ride through the streets of rome on the back of a vespa i've never done it before and it's quite a lot of fun i want to do mm. it again <laughs> how much had you had, had you had to drink at this point uh, I don't drink, Graham. Teetotal. Oh, sure, of course. Yeah. No, anyway, um, <laughs> patreon.com slash Total Soccer Show uh, if you want to check that out. And Graham's excellent Ibrox tour as well. Besides uh, bonus episodes, other videos, and fun things going on on there. All right, the 68th edition of the European Cup, the 31st since it was invented by UEFA as the Champions League. The final this year at Istanbul's Olympic Stadium. Mm, Taylor, they've been trying since 2020 to get it there. Do you think it's going to happen? We'll see. Fingers crossed. Although, I guess in more serious news, there was the uh, 7.8 magnitude earthquake this weekend. I I don't know what impact that will have at all, but our our thoughts are with uh, people over in Turkey. Everyone that I'm... I've been in touch with is doing okay, but it does sound like it was pretty scary and happening overnight, I think is maybe the worst time it could have happened. So mm. uh, hopefully that doesn't impact things. Hopefully we do finally get a Champions League final in Istanbul. Absolutely. Uh, and, and as you say, Taylor, our thoughts with all people affected by that one. Uh, round of 16 starts, as I mentioned, on Valentine's Day, spread over two weeks, uh, two leg games here. Um Group stage was wrapped up on November 1st. We squeezed it into a month earlier period this year to make way for that good old World Cup. The Barcelonas, the Atletis, the Juventuses of the world are not in this contest anymore. Real Madrid are still in it. They're defending champions, gunning for their 15th title. Graham, if you look at the bookies' favourites at the moment, the team at number one is the team that's been at number one for the past six or seven years straight, I would say, throughout the contest. Club Uh, Bruges. Club Bruges, yeah. Uh, just behind them, the team who hasn't won it in that six or seven year period, Manchester City, still leading the bookies' uh, odds there. Bayern, PSG, Liverpool, Real, Napoli, then Chelsea, uh, according to the rankings, Graham. Hmm. I mean, I still, I, I, I can see why Manchester City are still the favourites to win the Champions League this season, even after their relative struggles in the Premier League uh, at the moment. 
the the thing about the Champions League uh, or City in the Champions League and the way they played in that that tournament this season is they have toggled a little bit more between using Haaland and then controlling games through someone like Foden as 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 a centre forward and. In the group stage, that might have been to rest and rotate a little bit more with the Premier League in, in, in mind. But I personally think City should continue to do this. I think City, maybe the recent struggles in the league have have made Guardiola aware that it is important for them to have two different styles of, of, of playing. You know, Haaland was bought to make the difference in games where they, they're, they're dominant and create opportunities. But then against teams that can, are more effective on the counter-attack, I'm not sure that I would, I would play... Erling Haaland or certainly start him I would probably have Phil Foden in there and I, I don't know what it is about European competition maybe it's because there's the two-leg format it feels like being a little bit more tactile and, and sometimes being a little bit more compact and controlling as is, 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 is beneficial teams that do that tend to do quite well in the in the Champions League so yeah I'm still having Man City certainly up there as as, as one of the favourites did you say Chelsea are quite high up in the where are they? Well they are one, two, three, four, seventh in the rankings below Napoli, Real Madrid, Liverpool hmm PSG and Bayern. Um, yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense. It feels it feels high, but when you Does consider it? there's only 16 teams left in the Champions League now, and you've got Club Bruges, you would still have put them below them, and and maybe Porto, and yeah, that sounds about right. But I'd kind of forgotten that Chelsea were still in the Champions League, personally, given how their season's going. <laughs> so maybe that's how they're going to salvage this one. They're going to win the Champions League. That's how they're going to be back in this competition next season. Well, they've done it against the odds, uh, not in similar circumstances, but in very different circumstances, to be fair, Graham. So we uh, shouldn't discount them, I suppose, at this stage. Uh, the round of 16 fixtures, just to go through them, PSG, Bayern, Milan versus Tottenham, as we mentioned on the 14th. Then the following evening, Bruges versus Benfica and Dortmund against the aforementioned Chelsea. The following week, Liverpool, Real Madrid, Eboy, Eintracht Frankfurt taking on Napoli and then RB Leipzig versus Man City and Inter versus Porto. Taylor, if I had to sit you down, put you on the spot, give you a nice cup of coffee, make you comfortable yeah. and then ask you which games are you most excited about, what would your answer be? I think the most exciting one is probably PSG Bayern, uh, just for the star power of PSG with Bayern looking solid and making some smart acquisitions in January, or specifically one smart acquisition that's already paying dividends in Joao Cancelo. Uh, I think that's going to be a really interesting game. And then uh, one you all have already sort of uh, alluded to, I think Dortmund-Chelsea is going to be fascinated because it is a Dortmund team that have got like uh, weapons back that seem to have more depth than they've had in a very long time. We'll see if that lasts the next couple weeks or if they somehow manage to lose four players between now and this Champions League game. But it's Dortmund versus Chelsea, a Chelsea team that could be settled under Graham Potter and could be like humming along and winning games by then, could also still be very much confusing and a lot of mishmash parts and who knows what will happen. I think that game has the like the most potential for big swings from one game to the next. I could see Dortmund getting out, winning both games. I could see Chelsea getting out, winning both games. Uh, I could also see it being really close and coming down to goal difference or something like that. So I think that one has a lot of potential just for big swings and a lot of drama. Definitely. So, and as you mentioned there, Taylor, PSG Bayern, that's got to be the the box office, the glamatai of this one, surely. I, I would I would say yes. I think the other contender would normally be Liverpool versus Real Madrid. I mean, you're mm. getting the 2018 final rematch, uh, except that it's a bit, uh, I'm going to be unpopular for this, but it's a bit like if we had a Rocky movie, like Rocky 8 or whatever it would be, in which uh, Stallone fights Ivan Drago, but like now. Uh, it, it's sort of two, two teams that are maybe slightly 
past their sell-by date, a little bit tired, a little bit fatigued. So I can see both the Pacquiao of them. fight from a few years ago, yes. where it's like, this is great if it had happened five yes. years pre- exactly. previously, beforehand. Exactly. And, and so that one would be number one on my list. It's just that right now, with both teams being in the form they're in, that could be a get-right game. That could be a sort of, you know what, let's just both take it easy. We've been here before. We don't need to kill each other trying to win this game. So I think that, that one... Also, just a very strange one for how big it is, and yet at the same time, how much it might not end up being as important as some of the other games. I have it as the battle of the wheels falling off, is how I categorize Mm. that one. Yeah, never underestimate how the Champions League music just snaps Real Madrid back into... Into being Real Madrid. I remember one season in particular, and because they won the Champions League three seasons in a row, I can't remember which season it was, but Real Madrid had a similarly bad winter. And basically the chat was, I remember Real Madrid had PSG in the round of 16, and that was a nightmare draw for them. PSG were going very well. And the chat was, Zidane needs to win this to save his job. Real Madrid win that tie and then go on and win the win the Champions League. And they were yep. pretty poor that season domestically. So there's just something about the Champions League with that club that they just react so much better to it than any other he team. Had, he had that one, and then there was another one, maybe in his first season when it was like things not going well against, I think, Wolfsburg. And if they didn't turn that around, that might have been the end for him, and then they go on to smash them, and then I think they win the Champions League that season. So it works out just fine for them. Graham, that's a really good point, and especially if it is Carlo Ancelotti's last season, if the league does seem like it's sort of dusted by that point, maybe this is where we see Madrid turn their attention to the Champions League to send Ancelotti out as a Champions League winner. They win another one. So maybe this is where we see them retool and come out firing. Uh, I don't know if the same can be said of Liverpool at this point. Do we buy the idea, Taylor, that it's in Real Madrid's DNA to win this competition? I get, obviously, they have a lot of heritage in this competition and they are well geared up for it. But when you look at, say, the 11 or how many of the players who are in a game on the field, most of them are not attached to the previous wins or the majority of them. Do you buy that it's like in the water in that club? Uh, no, because I think that would be like a, a doping uh, violation. <laughs> uh, but I, I do get get the idea that if you've been there before, it, it's it's just a thing you can navigate more clearly. And if you have Tony Kroos and Luka Modric, that might be enough of a difference in Kareem Benzema as well, that if you go one nil down or if things aren't going well, you don't have those nerves, you don't have that panic of a debutante team or somebody who hasn't quite you know had th- this run before. I think of it as... Like, uh, like I'm trying to think of any reality competition. I like the show Alone, where you're out, where they just send people out to survive for as long as they can in the wilderness. And I think about a, if it's you, me, and Graham, and then a, a seasoned survivalist who knows how to make everything, that seasoned survivalist, even if they've never competed in the competition before, is probably going to feel pretty good about their chances against sort of people who've never been there, who people who aren't quite as familiar. And so for Madrid, I think it's it's just, it's less likely to get rattled. It's less likely to see losing the opening game 2-0 and think like, well, that's it. Like, I think Madrid backed themselves to come out firing and get a result in that second game. So I think in some ways there is an inherent belief that maybe other Champions League teams will be lacking. Real Madrid are the the Germany of European club soccer. Careful where you go with this analogy, but go on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, indeed. But Germany have this, uh, they just have this innate belief that 
there's an expectation that does that isn't crushing in the same way that I would say expectation is for Brazil, for example, which is which is unusual because you you would think Brazil would be able to handle that better than any other national team because they've been more successful at World Cups. Anyway, but Germany Germany just seemed to rather than it crushing them and and being a hindrance, that expectation and pressure emboldens them and brings the best out of them. And I think Real Madrid have a similar thing where the players in that club from a young age are just raised with this intention of the Champions League is where really you're going to be judged most of all as a Real Madrid player where I don't really have an explanation as how for some players that would as I say that would that would be a burden and at Real Madrid it doesn't seem to be the case but I'm not sure if I buy there's something in the water but there, there is something in the the approach and the culture of that club that makes them successful in European competition. I think for a lot of clubs the Champions League is this momentous thing that maybe you don't always qualify for maybe you don't always make the knockout round and and so there's a pressure that comes with it I I can't think of another club who could sort of treat the Champions League as a like a get right game a get right opportunity but that is sort of Real Madrid that no matter what's happening on the domestic side if they're knocked out of Copa del Rey or whatever it may be when that music plays and when they're all kind of walking out it's like all right we've been here before we know what we're doing we can win this and i think also that it's just a knockout competition at this point you can game plan more for it you can just prepare more for the opponent and you can just have a little bit more of that will to win that i think madrid will always have especially at home so yes their fans can turn on them yes their fans can be toxic yes things can go wrong but i i still do think real madrid somehow always find a way to make these games competitive at the very least yeah, and they should be reasonably competitive against uh, this Liverpool side, given yeah. their current fortunes, one would imagine. Uh, let's take a quick break now, and when we come back, let's talk about more of the games we're excited and maybe less excited about. Back shortly. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Total Soccer Show, welcome back. Uh, Graham, in the break there, you're, you're being such a trooper right now because you're not a, a well little boy right now, but you've been taking <laughs> some medicine. And if I can get you to talk for a minute about the games you're excited about. How about Eintracht Frankfurt against Napoli? Uh, we've got some debutants here against uh, Serie A leaders. Mm-hmm. Is it more tantalising than that billing might make it sound? So I would have Napoli down as pretty strong favourites to come through that that round of 16 game. I think they've been the strongest team I've seen in European soccer this season between the domestic league and also the Champions League. I know Bayern won six out of six in the group stage, but Napoli won five out of six and then they lost a dead rubber against Liverpool in their, in their final game. So I'm not sure if we can take much from that, but they've just been utterly devastating this season. And when they're at their best, there's there's nobody out there who can handle them. So... 
from a point of view of I'm I am just very excited to see if Napoli can pick up where they left off in the Champions League. They've been excellent in Serie A in that, in that period since the Champions League group stage ended. I, I do find this a tantalising game. Eintracht Frankfurt have have also been in, in 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 pretty decent form recently as well. They are the the reigning Europa League winners. But as I say, I just if if Napoli hit top form, there's nobody that can live with them in my opinion. And in that sense, I know I said Man City. I can understand why they'd be favourites. It's really between Man City and Napoli at this point for me as the favourites for for this season's Champions League. One game that I would highlight that I'm really looking forward to. So so Taylor mentioned. Uh, PSG versus Bayern there for obvious reasons but RB Leipzig versus Man City I mm. think is one that yeah. I'm really looking forward to that that looks like being a trickier tie for City than when the draw was made and that's partly because Leipzig are stronger they've had longer to work under Marco Rose they're in good form but also because City's weaknesses as a team are clearer now than they were three months ago and Spurs exposed just how weak City can be when they get played through and Leipzig's whole game is based around being quick, their, quick with their attacking actions and getting in behind. And I think we all recognise that City have more talent than, than than Leipzig. That's not really up for debate, but it could be a bad tactical matchup for 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 City. And I, and I think back to last season when a weaker Leipzig gave a gave a stronger City team problems in the Champions League. Leipzig beat City in the group stages of the Champions League last season at home. They then lost a, a whirlwind game at the Etihad 6-3 where they gave City loads of problems in, in, in that game. So if you consider that Leipzig seems stronger than then and City I don't think are as strong as they were a year ago, I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on this tie because to contradict myself slightly, I know I said City are among the favourites or one, or, or one of the top two favourites, but this is a game where I th- or a tie where I think there could be an upset. This is where I'm I'm kind of marking a circle around this one to to watch this one when it happens. Yeah, I, I think looking at like Leipzig for a moment since returning from the winter break, one uh, one draw with Bayern, beat Schalke, beat Hoffenheim, beat Stuttgart, drew with Köln this past weekend. But they do look like a stronger team, especially when they're playing in that back four. They've utilized that 4-2-2-2 pretty regularly with Timo Werner and Silva up top, then Danny Olmo and Silva Sly behind them, Leimer and Schlager in the middle. And that gives you just a ton of presence through the middle, but a ton of attacking intent. Graham, as you said, it also allows you to sort of press when you want to, sit off when you need to, because they, I think, can can transition back to the kind of like the deep 4-4-2 if they want, or even playing a back three. So I think there's just enough variation in Leipzig that they could potentially cause Man City problems, especially a Man City team that look like they have some problems to figure out themselves. And with, again, the sale of Jao Cancelo, I really am coming around on the idea that that is a huge loss for Man City and a massive gain for Bayern Munich. And I think having to replace a player who can do so many things both in defense and in attack, but also in terms of his positioning and where he can be on the pitch and just the variety he brings, the versatility he brings. He's a tough one to replace, and I think it makes for a more intriguing game than it might appear on paper. Definitely so. So, Taylor, Man City are often accused of getting easier ties in knockout contests. They're accused of a lot these days. <laughs> Among other things, yeah. But it sounds like from Leipzig, they it's, it's maybe a deponent they would have most feared among, arguably, among the uh, other 15 remaining. I don't know, because, like, forgive me if I'm wrong about this one. I just think Leipzig, for all of the kind of chemistry and the identity of that club, they still feel like a team that doesn't always achieve what they should be able to, or doesn't always achieve... The, the heights that maybe I hope they can. I feel like it's a team that has sprung surprises on occasion, I think even against Man City uh, in the group stages. But on the whole, 
I don't always think of as being a team that kind of comes together and finds a way to win and finds a way to make a deep run. But as Graham said, with the kind of break, with the time to kind of bet in into Marco Rosa and then the form they're in, they do seem like a more quietly competent uh, RB Leipzig team than we've seen in the past. And they seem pretty strong across the board. They do still seem young at the same time. And with uh, Simakon and Gvardiol, you have two defenders who can be next level world class, but they can also make individual mistakes that can cost you. When you have somebody like Erling Holland and Kevin De Bruyne as well, uh, they can always accentuate those differences. So again, another one that I think will be really, really interesting and I could see yeah. going either way. I would give the edge to Man City, but I think it's closer than it might seem. Oh yeah, I, I would as well. I think City are still favourites for this one, but this is the strongest Leipzig team, I think, since they made the semifinals in that in that weird uh, COVID yeah. season that everyone seems to forget about. They, Including they beat, me, uh, yes. Yeah, they beat, they beat Spurs and Atletico Madrid. I, I forgive you because that season, honestly, like... I'm looking through these games and thinking, wow, there's so many games here that I don't remember, like PSG beating Atalanta. Is that one the one where PSG scored two really late goals to, to knock out Atalanta out of that, that yes. season? But yes, I don't know. Yes, and then Leon, Leon making the semifinals that year as well, which just feels like a fever dream, um, which maybe it might have been given the the, the state of the world that, that <laughs> year. But um, yeah, Leipzig, I think they're, they're, they're stronger now than they have been in, in, in a little while. I'm even just looking through the strength of their squad. You know, they played Bayern Munich a couple of weeks ago and I'm looking at the subs that they made. They brought on Amadou Hydera, uh, David Raum, Timo Werner and Klosterman off the bench and they still had uh, Yusuf Poulsen and Henriks on, on the bench as well. That That's a decent squad. Mm-hmm. They, they they do have a, a, a good a good squad, a good team and it feels like Marco Rosa is finding an approach to get the best out of that talent. Definitely so. Uh, Taylor, how about Milan against Tottenham? We mentioned obviously Tottenham had a good result at the weekend. Uh, Tonio Conte back in uh, in a city on a, in a country where he might have a better disposition, generally speaking, as well. Not that that will have too much impact here, but how do we feel about that as a as a tie? It's it's strange how much difference a weekend can make because I think if we had done this preview on Friday, I would be saying that both of these teams seem like there are vulnerabilities that could be exploited. It's a little, it would be a little bit like Liverpool versus Madrid, uh, Real Madrid, that is, in terms of the way this could play out and not knowing who seems stronger. But I do think Spurs beating Man City and the way they did it, the way they looked really comfortable pressing on occasion, but then sitting off on occasion and bringing that variety to their defensive approach but then backing themselves to score, which they did in the form of Harry Kane, having some of the attacking talent they do. I think it'll be interesting that it's probably Spurs who will be the favorites. So playing with that status, do you try to be more dominant? Do you try to get more attackers on the pitch and and involved in the game against a Milan team that don't look good? We talked about this on the weekend review. Their run of form is very poor. They lose to Inter on the weekend, but they've lost plenty since play resumed. They don't seem like they have a ton of answers. And again, another thing we talked about on Weekend Review, the absence of Ra- the continued absence of Rafael Leao, that he's not a regular starter, that he isn't sort of the player that they build around, continues to confound me because he can be that difference maker. He is just so good. Uh, I look forward to seeing him inevitably play in the Premier League when that happens. Uh, but I think it does sort of give the edge to Tottenham for me. This is one that I think they should be feeling as confident as they can feel about this game. Yeah, I seem to remember them having good fortunes back in the Peter Crouch days against uh, Milan, and into Milan, for that matter. And speaking of that, Graham, are there any of these tyres where you're feeling a little less of the fizz uh, of excitement? <laughs> I'm I'm looking at maybe Bruges, Benfica, and maybe unfairly Inter versus Porto. 
So Bruges Benfica, look, it's not the tie of the round that I'm most looking forward to, but I want to see if Club Bruges can pick up what they did in the group stage. They won their first three group games to qualify. Yes, they didn't. They then failed to. They they kind of fell off a cliff after those first three games, and maybe that was just due to the the fact that they'd already qualified and qualified in first place. But it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it wasn't. Benfica, I think, have, have, have the potential to be a dark horse in yeah. this competition. So they made the quarterfinals last year. They knocked out Ajax's, uh, or sorry, Eric Ten Hag's Ajax team. And they're going very strongly in the in, in Liga Portugal at the moment. I believe they've won pretty much every match they played since the resumption of the season. Yes, they've lost Enzo Fernandez, but you look at that midfield and I'm not entirely sure... That's a weird one for Benfica because you would think when they they sell a player for over 100 million euros that that would significantly weaken them. I'm, I'm not sure that it does, particularly in the Champions League where they're probably going to have that that double pivot of, uh, of of Florentino and Luis in the middle of the pitch. I don't know if Enzo Fernandez would have played there anyway. So it's it's a game that I think Benfica probably should win. Inter-Porto, I'm, I am struggling to muster much enthusiasm for inter Porto uh, yeah. at, at the moment, I have to say. Uh, sticking with with uh, Brugge, Bruges ben, versus Benfica for a moment. Uh, I, I share your optimism about Benfica, Graham. Top of the Portuguese league, won four of their last five. Eight clear of Porto in second place, ten ahead of Braga. Both of those have played one game fewer, but still. Uh, and strong performances this season from uh, Gonzalo Ramos, who's their leading goal scorer. Uh, the, then they bring in Gonzalo Guedes on loan from Wolves to help him out a bit. He scores this weekend. So they seem like they are in a strong run of form uh, and have a lot of chemistry and just ability to attack. Whereas Brugge... Uh, it was sort of the story like around the Champions League that they weren't having a great domestic campaign, but they were doing so well in the Champions League that it made up for it. Since the World Cup break, they have won one of their last eight. Uh, one win, two losses, five draws. Are you both aware of who their manager is? Because I was not until I started researching for this show. Club Bruges? Yeah. I'm having to Google it. I've, Scott I've Parker. Oh, now I know who it is. Yeah. <laughs> what? So he that's that's a, he got appointed recently, right? So they December must have. They must have. Yeah. Yeah. So they must have changed manager since the Champions League group stage. They wow. have, uh, and under Scott Parker, uh, he's been in charge of six of those games where they've. Uh, I think I think they've won one under him. They might not even have won one. It might just be a couple of draws and then a bunch of losses. Uh, so he has not turned around their form. This seems like one that I think Benfica will win on aggregate five to one or six to one. That would be my guess. Uh, I, I am also a little less psyched about Inter v Porto. I think because Inter, because Napoli have been so strong and have the lead they do, the rest of Serie A just seems a bit confusing to me. I think there's a chance that Inter are the best of the rest. Uh, but I also think this is one that Porto might be feeling uh, or should be feeling confident for. They're also in a strong run of form. I think in their last 14 games, I believe I'm correct in saying they have only failed to score once. So in 13 of the 14, uh, they've scored goals while playing in a in a straight-up 4-4-2. It allows them to defend deep. It allows them to attack with numbers when they want to, uh, which they often do, thus the goal scored. So this seems like one where there will be goals. I don't really know who will get out, but I would give the edge to Porto as, as strange as that might seem. Excellent stuff. Now, the movie in Bruges, Taylor, taught me that Bruges is beautiful Alcoves. but boring. Yep. Stay away from the alcoves. Yep. So, um, Scott Parker's uh, 
feels appropriate. No, that's harsh. <laughs> Any there's a good card signing James Milner. Milner. There you go. If he signed James Milner, we'd be we'd be on track. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Uh, but Taylor, what about uh, obviously they've they've had a change of manager, have Bruges. Whose fortunes? Who who are the, who are a completely different team compared to the last time this Champions League took place? I'm looking certainly at some of the Premier League teams in this with Chelsea with a lot of different personnel, Liverpool, whose fortunes have taken a rather downward turn, uh, even Tottenham, who seem to be in a bit of a results roller coaster at the moment. It's weird that Chelsea are and also aren't because they're sort of the same team they were. They're very up and down. They they We weren't sure about their manager. We're still not sure about their manager. Uh, but it, it does seem like one where if they are to salvage the season – uh, there may come a time when uh, I believe I keep reading that they are in a lot of financial fair play trouble if they don't qualify for the Champions League. So maybe there will come a moment when winning the Champions League is their only way to qualify. Uh, so in that way, I think we're going to see a very motivated Chelsea. We'll see if Graham Potter has figured out his best starting 11. Uh, I read over the weekend that I think uh, Mikel Arteta has played the same starting 11 in the Premier League the most frequently this season, the most number of times, whereas Graham Potter has played the greatest number of players and uh, changed lineup most consistently. So who knows what to make uh, of Chelsea. Uh, So I think their fortunes are up and down, which is kind of where they were before. For Dortmund, I mentioned them already. I I think that they are a stronger team than they were uh, if... If I think we had kind of continued on if the knockout round had happened right after the group stage, I'm not sure how comfortable I would be feeling about their chances, admittedly against an up-and-down Chelsea, so who knows. Uh, But I think Sebastian Allaire coming back from his cancer treatment, being able to play, uh, playing this weekend. Uh, The same for Adeyemi, who then seemed like he was poised to step up with Allaire being out, and for a moment looked like he would, and then got injured, and he was also out for a while. Gio Reyna missing a ton of time in the group stage. All three of them back, all three of them scoring goals, all three of them looking pretty exciting. Uh, It's a Dortmund team that have depth, uh, maybe not quite as much depth as some of the other Bundesliga sides and some of the other sides in this competition. But I think Dortmund will be feeling fairly confident uh, heading up against a, a, a Premier League giant in the form of Chelsea. Uh, so I'd say they should be feeling confident. I would say Spurs is on that list as well, not just because of the Man City result, but not not just because of the Man City results. I think anytime you show that when your backs are against the wall with your manager suspended, you can find a way to get a result to to set up to frustrate your opponent, to accentuate their sort of flaws. I think that uh, should have Spurs fans feeling somewhat more confident. Antonio Conte's record in the Champions League, maybe less so. We've talked plenty about that. I'm sure we'll talk about it again as that knockout round draws near. And finally, a team that I think still very strong, continuing the run of form they were on, but now it just feels much more likely that they're going to win the league, that they are a very good team, is Napoli. I still think there's a chance that maybe they'll drop points or they won't have the result we want in that opener against Frankfurt. But I'm very happy that the second leg is at home at the Maradona Stadium. That's going to be the rowdiest of rowdy atmospheres. Uh, I do see Napoli getting through, uh, especially in that second leg. And I think that's a team that will sort of be feeling far more confident, but also just far more calm than they probably would have been, I think, uh, around the time of the group stage ending. Good stuff. All right, let's take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to look at the key players in this contest going forward and the teams who are poised to go all the way and make a deep impact in this competition. Not an Armageddon, a deep impact. It was the better movie. Back shortly. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, 
courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Hey folks, this is Taylor from the Total Soccer Show reminding you that we are inching ever closer to the start of the summer transfer window, which means there are teams that will buy and sell their players early, there are teams that will leave that business very late, and there are teams that will operate in between. But no matter what, it's going to be a chaotic situation. There's going to be offers coming through willy-nilly. There's going to be transactions to be tracked and processed and make sure that enough money is there. There's going to be probably angry clubs calling to complain. There are many things to deal with. And unfortunately for those clubs, there is no sort of business tool that makes things easier, makes transactions simpler, gets the business done efficiently and effectively. But for the small businesses around the globe, there is such a service, Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek kits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And I really appreciate that about Shopify. No matter how big you are, no matter how fast you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, and Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. That's as many countries as will be selling players in the transfer window this summer. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash TSS, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash TSS now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash TSS. Total Soccer Show, welcome back. We are talking Champions League. Graham Rutherford, I come to you, sir, to talk maybe about some of the key players uh, who are going to make an impact in yep. the latter stages of this contest. Looking at the uh, top scorers, Mo Salah and Kylian Mbappe are joint top scorers with seven goals so far this season in this contest. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and Ellen Haaland and Mehdi Taremi behind them with five. Uh, Mo Salah still to have a significant impact going forward? The fact that he is, uh, did you say he's joint top scorer with, with Mbappe yes. and Seven? The fact that he is up there in the scoring chat charts just says to me that the Champions League group stage was a long, long time ago. <laughs> and and by the by the time, the, every season when the, the last 16 comes around, I always feel like, wow, the Champions League, it feels like it's only been away for a couple of weeks. I do not have that feeling this year. The right. group stage of the, this, this season's Champions League feels like a lifetime ago where I'm having to remind myself how, how teams actually did because obviously we've had a World Cup in, in between the, the, the two things. So I'm not anticipating Mohamed Salah being a, a, a key player in, in the knockout rounds of of, uh, of the rest of the competition, not because he's not a good player, obviously we know he's fantastic, but because Liverpool are in such a bad state, one player who I think, no matter what happens, will be a key player in the Champions League from this point on is Erling Haaland, because there's a narrative on either, on either side. If, if City go on and win the Champions League, they signed him, obviously, to make the difference in the big moments when, when they come in the Champions League. 
But equally, if they don't win the Champions League, then people are going to point to the failure of, of that signing. And that might be harsh, but that's just the unavoidable litmus test there with, with Erling Haaland. His, his signing has raised some questions in terms of City's performances in the, in, in the Premier League, but I don't think that will matter if he makes a difference in the Champions League. And even if City don't win the Premier League title this season, if they get their first European Cup, then this season is arguably the the, the greatest in the club's history and, and, and Haaland could be the guy to deliver that. Two other names very quickly that I think are going to be key players in, 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 in the rest of this competition. Uh, Kvaradona, Kvitschka, mm. Kvaratskalia. I'm going to continue to say Kvaradona because that is easier to say and it sounds better and it's fun to say. Uh, but he's been one of the, the stars of the Champions League so far. And it still feels like he's got plenty in the, in the tank to have an impact on some big games before the end of the season. Uh, so he he completely destroyed Liverpool earlier in the season. Earlier in the season, that was probably the first time we all sat up and realised just how good this guy is. And I want to see more of that. I want to see him destroy another big team in a way that makes us all feel like we're witnessing something special, which is how that Liverpool game in the group stage felt like. The advantage for Napoli is they've got such a, a lead in the Serie A title race, 13 points ahead of the rest. There's a scenario where they get that wrapped up pretty quickly and then can focus entirely on the Champions League and that could give them an advantage over pretty much every other team in the big five leagues where there is a title race this season. Even in even in Germany, what is happening this season? And in France, PSG not having it all their own way, so that could be an advantage. And then my third player is Lionel Messi. So it feels like it could be his season, an almost uh, career-defining season, which is saying something given how every season for him would would be a career-defining season for other another player. But of course, he he won the well, the World Cup with Argentina, and that eliminated eliminated the discussion about having never won that competition. And then the other stupid discussion point is that he's never won the Champions League with a team that isn't Barcelona. And, well, the way things are going, he could mm. eliminate that discussion point as well because PSG looked like being one of the, the strongest teams and left in the competition. So, yeah, it feels like kind of similar to Haaland. No matter what happens, there's go- there's going to be a discussion point around there. Either it's going to be the failure of a project for PSG and maybe Messi moves on or it's going to be the vindication of them signing him a couple of years ago. And it feels like he's he's rediscovering his form after the World Cup. I much prefer how he's playing for PSG this season uh, rather than having him out in the wing or in set in the middle of the attack as Pochettino did last season I like him as a creator as he gets a little bit older that's how Christoph Gaultier has used him in the Champions League this season with Neymar and Mbappe as flyers ahead of him and I do think there's a good chance that he, he caps the season by winning the, the Champions League which would be a, an incredible vindication for him and joining PSG in the first place one note on PSG uh, that I think will be interesting when it comes to Messi is that they are dealing with plenty of injuries right now. Uh, chief amongst them would be uh, Fresno Kimpembe, uh has an injured Achilles, is expected to be back mid-February. This game is on the 14th, which is mid-February, so we'll see if he's back in time. But then Kylian Mbappe, uh, his estimated return is late February. Uh, Neymar has also been injured. My guess is that he'll be good to go uh, for the Champions League, but Mbappe might not be. So if you don't have Mbappe, if you don't have Kimpembe, that's Two big absences, Mbappe slightly bigger. Uh, but that would then mean Lionel Messi sort of, I think, being the focal point of that team, of the attack, the the player that everybody will look to in that team with his experience, with his just, you know, name, his brand. He's Lionel Messi. We know who he is. So I, I think if you don't have some of those other star performers or if Neymar is slow coming back or not fully fit, it will be uh, Messi who has to kind of raise his game and help PSG get out against a Bayern team that is very strong, that is very good, I think PSG might not be thrilled that that's the team they have to face in the uh, the first knockout round. 
Sunday was Neymar's 31st birthday, and I don't know why, but that makes mm. me feel very old because I was convinced he was going to be 25 for all eternity. Wow. Yeah, that's weird. That's did weird. his um did his sister get time off work to come and spend it with him? <laughs> that's the joke. I knew there was a joke in there, and I was trying to work it work it out. But that's the joke. <laughs> Found it for you. You're welcome, uh, Taylor. Any other key players in the contest going forward? How about any of Chelsea's young and expensive guns? Are we guaranteed any of them will have enough meaningful uh, game time to to be a key player? Uh, yeah, I think Enzo Fernandez. Uh, he plays this weekend. It, they don't get the result they want, but I think he he has been brought in to to be the midfield for Chelsea that around which they build and I think that's a a a thing we should expect to see plenty of for the rest of the season under Grand Potter. So I think this will be Enzo Fernandez's opportunity to sort of show at least a little bit why that price tag was justified. Very happy that we've gotten rid of that the rule that if you've played in the Champions League already and then you move in January, you can't play in the competition again because I think uh, it would be sad not to see him uh, have an impact for Chelsea. So I think that's probably the one of their signings that I would say I would look to as having the biggest chance to have that kind of consistency of impact where, say, Joao Felix could score a bunch of goals, but he also might not start a game uh, because they have so many attacking talent. So I think that's one. I think for Bayern, a youngster that I would I would be excited to watch would be Jamal Musiala. Uh, plenty written about him, plenty talked about with him. Uh, 19-year-old, uh, another one that got away. Sorry, Ryan Bailey. Uh, he could have gone for England, but instead with Germany. Uh, gets an assist this weekend against Wolfsburg in that Bayern 4-2-3-1 that they've started to play more regularly. He is the number 10. He is the central operator. Uh, and is getting assists, is getting goals, is very good at linking play, at carrying the ball forward, at spreading it wide when it needs to, getting involved in the attack, and I think he's he's definitely one to watch in this game. I really think this tie is going to be fascinating. Just very quickly, going back to Chelsea, an interesting wrinkle with with the, the signings that they've made in January is there's only there's only a certain number of changes that you can make to your Champions League squad after the January window. And so going through the Chelsea squads uh, here for the, they submitted their, their Champions League squad, I believe, either today or, or uh, yesterday. But Aubameyang has come out of that squad because they, they had to make a change. Enzo Fernandez, Mudrik and Felix have been added to the squad. But Benoit, Badiashil and all the other signings that they have made are not in that squad. As I say, because there is there's a rule that UEFA has that you can only make, I think it's three or four changes to a squad. So Potter's not going to get the full... The, the the full strength of all those signings that he made in January, which just adds to the feeling that Chelsea are not planning this very well. <laughs> the fact that Badishil in particular, he's been playing games and he's looked pretty good and he is not in, I'm just looking through on the UEFA.com website here, yeah, he's definitely not in, in their squad for the rest of the Champions League. Who, so who are the defenders that are, Graham? So Thiago Silva, Trevor, Trevor Chalaba, so I'd, I'd expect maybe they would have liked to have Swap him out for Badiashil. Uh, Chilwell, James, Koulibaly, Azpilicueta, Cucurella, and Wesley Fofana. Fofana, again, an- another one. He's out injured for a long time at the moment. So had they had the ability, I, would, I expect Badiashil would have been in there. Um, but he is not because the rules do not allow it. Mm. I wonder if they asked if they could pay like 100 million extra to change the roster a little yeah, bit. Yeah, over 20 years. Yeah, <laughs> and amortize the fee, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we will never know. Um Go on, Taylor. I was going to say another another difference maker. We've talked about him briefly already. Uh, but just Victor Osimhen uh, is borderline unplayable when he wants to be. And and I, we've talked about him plenty in the weekend reviews. He has the 
the technical ability, he has the intelligence, he has the strength, he has the speed, and can just be that individual difference maker if you catch him in space, uh, especially on his half of the pitch, if there's like a high back line, he can just punish you, but he can also punish you if you leave him one foot of space in the box. Uh, and, and that's also a player who I think knows there's this opportunity uh, to win the title with Napoli, uh, to, potentially, to potentially make a run uh, with them in the Champions League. But then the more he sco- scores on the high-profile stage of the Champions League, the more likely he is to get another big move for a lot of money, uh, probably to the Premier League. So I-, I think he is one who will also be very much excited to have the opportunity to have a strong uh, knockout round run. And I think not just for the next move, but because of what he can do for Napoli and how good they've looked building around him, I think he is going to be a pretty strong performer if they make that deep run that I would hope they make. Indeed. And speaking of Napoli, Graham, um, is it fair to call them a dark horse? And if not, yeah. who, who might be the dark horses in this contest? Yeah, I don't know if we're allowed to call Napoli dark horses anymore. I mean, they certainly would have been called dark horse horses before the, the start of the season, but they have been so good that that label doesn't feel kind of fair or right anymore. Mm. Um, so I've already kind of mentioned Benfica. I think maybe they would be my my dark horses. So they they finished top of a group that included PSG and Juventus. They're, they're running away with the Portuguese league title. They lost to Braga right at the end of, the, of of last year, but ignoring that one result, Braga are actually pretty decent this season. I wrote an article um, about them fairly recently, so that, that there's no great shame in that result. But beyond that one defeat, Benfica have won pretty much every match they've played, looking at the record going back to mid-October. And R- Roger Schmidt has just built a very serious team there. They, as I said earlier, they have experience of being at this stage of the Champions League before. Um, yeah, they've lost Enzo Fernandez, but I don't think that'll affect them too much. There's just plenty to like about this Benfica team at the moment. So looking at, and, and, and their draw as well against Club Bruges, you would expect them to get through that that tie as well. So if they make make it to the quarterfinals, you know, if they get a, a favourable draw in the quarterfinals, they could very easily be in the, in, in the final four, and that certainly constitutes dark horse territory in my book. Certainly does. Taylor, anything to add to the dark horse convo? Again, maybe I'm overestimating them from this weekend, but Spurs, I think, will be should be the favourite to get past Milan, uh, given their run of form, and so that that's a game one right there. Uh, so then if they advance, who knows who they draw, but I, th- I think Tottenham are in certainly a better position than they were a few months ago, and, and I think they made some smart signings in January and have strengthened where they needed to. So I think Spurs, I, I don't know if I would back them to make a deep, deep run, but I think they could certainly get past Milan and maybe get past their next opponent. I think both Portuguese teams, uh, Benfica for the reasons Graham already talked about Porto, just because they have... A lot of, I, I, for me at least, it's like lesser known depth that they can they can rotate who their strikers might be. They can rotate through the midfield. Uh, they have two different Pepe's, the notorious one at center back, but they've got one who can score goals and assist up top. Uh, I think there's just a number of personnel who can come in and make a difference. It's not they're built built around one player, and if you shut that one player down, then they're in trouble. So I think in that way, Porto could spring a surprise because they've got that variety to their attack. And I would say the same of Dortmund. I think there's just a lot of of weapons there. There is depth and talent there. There is a belief there, I think, and a going against the Chelsea team that are still trying to figure things out. Maybe nine days from now when they meet, uh, we're recording this on Monday, uh, Chelsea will have figured it all out and they'll be as strong as they should be. But if not, um, Dortmund springing a surprise wouldn't be that big of a surprise. In. Indeed. All right, my final question for both of y'all is, 
if you had to pick right now, who would be your winner? I am actually going to go with Napoli, just because of the form they're in, because of the reasons that Graham mentioned that they could have the league wrapped up relatively early if they're not punished in any meaningful way with a points deduction. Uh, and it's just about momentum, I think, for them. So I like an underdog. I will go for Napoli. Graham, who are you going for? Yeah, I'll go with Napoli as well, just because the evidence we have at this moment, they have been the best team in Europe. And Man City are going to have to improve, and I think Pep Guardiola is going to have to make some changes. And and if he does that, then maybe they're elevated into my favourite spot. But as I say, just looking at the teams as they are right now, Napoli are the strongest team. So yeah, as, as weird as that would have sounded to me at the start of the season, picking Napoli at this stage of the season to win the Champions League, I think that's the level that they're at right now. Absolutely. King Peach, how about you? Uh, I think there's good shots for Napoli. I'll say Bayern Munich, especially if they win that game against PSG. To get past a team of that strength with that much talent that early of a round, I think has to give Bayern Munich confidence. But it's a team that are back to scoring goals. They beat uh, Wolfsburg this weekend with four goals. And just getting contributions across the board, Kingsley Coman, Thomas Muller, Jao uh, Cancelo springing with assists, Afonso Davies on the other side, Yoshio Kimmich gets a red card, but also involved in the goals. Uh, I just think there's, there's with Bayern, there is a little bit of that consistency and that we've been here before aspect of their game, like we talked about with Real Madrid, combined with just a lot of talent, and I think they strengthened in key areas. Uh, we mentioned him before, but Daily Blind coming in as just a, a depth signing where if you need some experience, you've got him there. I just think they've made some smart signings. They have plenty of st- strength. I think Napoli, Bayern Munich could be a final. I wouldn't be surprised if Man City are in there as well if they uh, figure some things out between now and then. Good stuff. All right. Midweek afternoon soccer making a welcome return. Uh, organize your calendars accordingly. But for now, Tater Rockwell, thank you so much for your contributions as always, my good man. Thank you, my friend. Good to have you back. Indeedy, deedy, and Graham Rudvan. Thank you so much for battling through um, your, as we mentioned, you, you are a little under the weather, so we appreciate you putting yeah. in a stellar performance here. Thank you, Ryan Bailey. I'm away to put my head in a bucket of ice, and that's just in preparation for meeting you in person tomorrow. Oh, we are. We're going to have hugs, and we're going to have Nando's. Well, maybe an air hug, oh, <laughs> unless you want this okay. Okay. <laughs> to go home with. I'll be thinking of hugging you from a distance. How's that? That sounds perfect to me, even in a situation without any illness involved. That's your ideal scenario, Graham. All right, thank you very much, Lister, for joining us on this one. Patreon.com slash Total Soccer Show if you want to continue the conversation. But for now, bye! Bye!